0: Thank you very much for uh, making the time to um, – we're just going to start in a second. Cooper, uh, but I'm Tahir Mahmood, and I've, I've got the chance to uh, talk to John Lovell. He's uh, really a mentor to me in terms of uh, all things business and business process and sales and so on. Um, we, we met some time ago, uh, John, in one of your other roles. Um, so really, the, the idea of this is we want to just um, capture some ideas and thoughts that people use to – uh, optimize their day or get more out of uh, uh, their, their time and are curious about exploring other things so here we sort of share one or two examples of what we do uh, with the audience and uh, you know just pick up a few um ideas it's quite brief and and and, and, and quick but this gives us a bit of an idea of the, the different um, uh, guests that we have and a little bit about them and then a bit about what they do and so on and and, and uh, hopefully share something useful with the audience. So, John, um, tell me a little bit
1: about where where we met and... Uh, oh, you... blimey. Um, I'm not sure the audience want to know where we met. No, I'm only joking. Um, <laughs> so, my background, I spent uh, 20 years in the automotive sector, um run car dealerships such as Jaguar, Land Rover, um, and most latterly the Bentley and Lamborghini dealership in Tunbridge Wells. Um, and it was whilst I was in Tunbridge wells that we met to here wouldn't it i won't uh, go into too much detail but that's that's where we met each other and um, it was quite interesting because we uh, would like a little bit of sales support and a little bit of uh, uh guidance in certain areas and yeah. and um, and we met that way didn't we and and uh, the relationship started so uh you know i i now um, I'm involved in my own business called the farm process management, uh, but we also do have a contact center, um, answering the telephone to people and a live chat business. So yeah. ultimately, we are an outsourced sales and customer service opportunity for businesses that don't have the time or the inclination to do some of the work that um, that needs to be done.
0: <clears throat> yeah, and you can bring lots of efficiencies into play. So optimizing Mm. their processes and so on and
1: definitely so process management is what i pride myself on i think you know i'm I'm quite a simple guy um you know i i've got a phrase which is start with the end in mind and uh if we all know what we want to achieve and work backwards then ultimately you'll set the right processes and and go about it in the right way so yeah process management and a bit of process support is uh is my skill set i would say
0: yeah, no, and it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's very, uh, in, in leveraging your sort of experience and so on, which uh, you, you know, diligently acquired over a, a long period of time. So yeah. Tell us, what sort of things have, have sort of you noticed about um, your sort of thinking about how you structure your day or things that you do that have, that you know, there was one or two things that you did that there was a step change in your efficiency and productivity because we want those sorts of sort of insights specifics. Are, yeah. Yeah.
1: I think, I think we, um, there's, um, obviously I do coaching and teaching There's there's one part which will probably resonate true with, um, the majority of people that will listen and, and watch this and I call them uh, a big red button moment. So right. I'm not sure if I've explained it to you this way, but if you could imagine a cartoon at the moment, you know, we all watch cartoons when we were little yeah. and there's a, there's a big button flashing away in front of you that says don't do not press well, first of all, the first thing we all want to do is press the button, but if you can just imagine that button, yeah. um, and you know on a, on a day or a week, you know there'll, there'll be tasks or will be situations that occur multiple yeah. times where we'll be thinking to ourselves, "Why does this always happen? Why has that happened again? Why yeah. has that person given me that information? Why has that person not given me that information on a regular basis yeah. Um, and really what I try and encourage is to hit that big red button and that's stopping the production line is having the opportunity to recognise that, you know, this this is a this is a problem, this is a situation that's occurring that shouldn't. Um so let's stop it, let's let's involve the, the stakeholders in the conversation or the process,
0: mm-hmm.
1: reassess what we can do to make it easier and more efficient, and move again. And that really came from the fact that at Bentley, and I'm sorry to name drop brands, but at Bentley you know every car that they produce is hand assembled um so every car that comes in everybody on the production line has um the empowerment to stop the production line mm. if they notice i think it was something like five um situations of the same problem occurring so the guy fitting the seat if he noticed that it's slightly askew five times in a row then rather than sending out all the cars in incorrectly they can stop the production line at an extortionate cost per minute Um, so that everybody can come in and be involved, the engineering team and the the parts teams, and just see why those seats are slightly askew, Mm. and then they can make the correction there and then to start the production line again, rather than sending all the cars out to the network and having to have them back in to fix, because that just damages Mm. the brand, it's not very time efficient, and okay, the immediate cost is one that's a bit eye-watering, but the long-term cost is, is, is better. Um, And really that was a good uh, analysis for me to do what I've always done in reassessing process. You -hmm. know, the amount of times we go into meetings, whether it be board Mm -hmm. level or local department level, and three or four times in a row you get asked, you know, why are you still doing this? Why are you still doing this? You know, nobody stops, takes stock, looks at the situation, reevaluates, and moves in a different direction because that's okay. Um, You know, if we keep doing the same incorrect things all the time, we won't be the most efficient we can be and we certainly won't be the most cost effective we can be either that's
0: uh, that's a really uh, valuable lesson you uh, shared there because um, I, I think it sort of encourages people to you know be vigilant and observant and then own issues and wherever it arose you know when somebody finds um, takes responsibility for it then some action can be taken and there may be this or that way of taking actions and it's delivering
1: the message. If you, can, if you can provide a culture within a business organization that yeah. is okay to challenge, yeah. then you would have more of these conversations. You'll know, fight, especially in the line of work you're in, to hear with the people that, that um, have to make your day work. If you challenge somebody, it can feel like you're undermining, it can feel like you're having a go, it can feel like you're not supporting that individual. And actually that's not true. Everybody needs to know if they're going in the wrong direction. You know, I'm sure you got to where you got to when you was a junior doctor or going through the way. People were telling you where you were going wrong all the time, but it made you better. And yeah, I yeah. think, I think it. you know, this day and age, yeah. there's a fear around delivering a negative conversation. And unfortunately, because of that, we're not making people better. So we have to be able to take stock and, and just say, hey, there's a culture here where we just say, can you I'm not say you've done it wrong? You know, but can I show you another way of doing it more right? Because that's what makes my life better. And then you making somebody else's life better, it's a knock-on effect.
0: That's uh, that's a valuable insight. Actually, as you say, people's sensitivities have changed over time. When I was a medical Mm. student at King's, uh, there was a lady, I was just relating this with the children the other day, um, called Liz Fagan, she was like a registrar or a middle-grade person in the liver unit. And... uh, we all used to line up to you know do cases with her before the finals, and it was that type of era where it was okay for for them to really give you very hard feedback in front of the patient, and we all actually because we grew up in that environment, we really like were appreciative of it and took it for what it was, which is trying to encourage us to you know uh, do the sort of the learning or the adjustment that she wished us to you know she was just trying to help us though. So. Yeah, of course. A place of uh, supporting us, but in a very firm, very, like, sergeant major kind of way. Um, And, and, yeah, maybe, I I mean, I don't know, I I really thought it was very helpful. But
1: the thing uh, is, the delivery is important, okay? So I'm not saying, even in this day and age, you you can't be that sergeant major type approach as much as you'd like at times. But just taking stock and delivering a negative conversation actually isn't negative. Because what, what's more harmful, telling somebody to give them some short-term pain, where well, they might not like it, but they're going to benefit long-term, yeah. or allowing somebody to keep doing something incorrectly. What's actually more harmful? It isn't having that difficult conversation. It's allowing somebody to keep doing something wrong. That's actually more harmful than taking stock and having a conversation. Yeah,
0: there's room for learning. So one of the things that we did uh, uh, for like, like almost... A decade it was get feedback from every patient so every time somebody came in and we would just deal with that in real time Um so the, we would review things at the end and in fact there was some we sort of documentary made about about it and then we got book and some conferences but the idea is to review and reflect on every conversation every patient visit and they would have some really valuable insights and then take action on them immediately at the end of the clinic we said do 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 done these two and then you might not making much of a change but over time you made quite a lot of change and most of the change came from the insights and the uh, the sort of um, uh, you know sort of of thoughtfulness that the patients brought to bear on the situation and then the team saying well that doesn't work or this is a bit glitchy or you know could be more efficient so I I think yeah what you were suggesting in that sort of work environment we were sort of doing that at a very low level in each each clinic or or on a ward round and so on Um, But that does
1: take a cultural change though, doesn't it? It does take a cultural change, uh, but initially it's very simple, just got to have your eyes open. So patient experience, um, you know, I I deliver some patient experience workshops um, because I think there's there's not much of a line between patient experience and customer experience because patients are customers. But, you know, I, I think too often we don't put ourselves in the positions of our customers or our patients because you know where and this isn't aimed at you specifically but people in your profession you'll turn up to your place of work where you're sat now is your place of work so everything about today will feel normal to you okay but there'll be people coming into your environment on a regular basis that it's a very heightened emotional state you know so today give you for instance i showed you my um took it off now but I showed you my arm thing I had on today I went to local A&E today because I've yeah. hurt, uh, hurt my thumb and you know I'm, I'm quite a, a, a sensible grown-up I think but from yeah. the moment I arrived you know I was greeted from a, with a lo- really lovely lady and she made me feel relaxed but I almost felt embarrassed about talking to her because I felt I shouldn't be there because I wasn't really that bad um, and the the station that I'm gre- you're greeting all the incoming patients is right by the doorway so if my case as was a lady behind me is actually a little bit um, sensitive, shall we say? Yeah. You know, first of all, you're delivering your problems to the world in a reception area. Straight away, that patient experience is negative. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and then and then they're sending you off to a reception in a minor minor injuries unit. That there is no reception. Nobody's greeting you. You have to try and figure out where the lady sits to give your paper to, and, and everything about the whole experience becomes a very stressful situation when it doesn't need yeah. to be. But we don't look at those. Things. And then you're in the waiting area and the, the, the lovely lady comes out to shout your name. But it's very quiet and you, you, you don't know what's going on and you think, oh, my God, have I missed my name? And, and everything about it is heightened sensitivity because it's not normal. Yeah, and no, I think that, that doesn't help people's relaxation in, in, you know, to give a good experience.
0: Yeah, I, I think sometimes these things are configured to make it uncomfortable <laughs> and there's some reverse psychology there, but yeah. generally speaking, as, as you say, cause, because it's unfamiliar, because of an injury, we're stressed, and, and yeah, and and uh, it, it's sort of something that might not seem such a big deal, can be, and especially if you have some other issues, or you have some medical conditions, or you can't see, or hear, or... You know other sort of stuff going on or you know taking medication that you can amplify stuff. so yeah I think paying some attention to some of those things can can uh, can mm. can make a difference. Um, now you obviously you've got this sort of appreciation of that sort of you know journeys that that we all have and 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 able to take it you know you're able to take advantage of it and guide your teams and the people that you work with. Mm. so on a personal level, mm. um well, is there like is there one thing that you want to share that you said, oh since i started doing that i'm this much more efficient or since i applied this or something yeah is this, is this something that sort of comes to the fore or
1: so obviously over the years in um the automotive sector you're sent off on training courses left right and center and yeah i think um i've always been a fan of them because it's for me it's an opportunity to absorb information yeah, yeah. and we all you know in that in that industry a two-day course you might have an hour's worth of content which is valuable uh, but everybody's content is different yeah. um, but this one particular course I went on to and it was about time management and it was a two-day course that wasn't about time management it was something completely different which I can't remember but the trainer at the time spent five minutes on a tri- time management module for me
0: yeah. uh,
1: for, for the class literally five minutes and it resonated with me in a way that I never thought it would um, I used to think I was a very good manager because I did everything Okay, I was a doer. So, yeah, yeah, don't worry, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. But my phone would ring on days off, my phone would be constant. If I was in a meeting, my door would be getting knocked every five minutes. And I used to think, wow, look at me, aren't I great? Everybody needs me. When actually, it was the opposite. You know, I wasn't performing to the best of my ability for my team because Mm -hmm. I wasn't teaching them, wasn't guiding them, because I wasn't giving myself the time management. Um, But this particular, the one particular thing that I changed was... Um, I was a sales manager at the time and sales managers in the car industry would work weekends. You know, was, of course, best selling time is at the weekend. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I went to my boss, who was a good friend of mine at the time, and I said, um, I don't want to work weekends anymore because I don't think it's the best use of my time. And at first he looked at me like I had three heads and thought, you know, what what, what are you doing? But when I explained the situation, which was because I work a weekend, I have a Tuesday off. My other managers have a Wednesday and a Thursday off. So actually, I'm only doing my managerial job two days a week out of a potential five to seven. Mm. Um, I'm not you're not getting the best use of my time. And actually, he sat back and thought, well, actually, on a Tuesday, I need you. I'm your boss. I need you. But I come around to find you. And you're not in because it's your regular day off.
0: Mm. So
1: my bosses worked Monday to Friday. The manufacturers worked Monday to Friday. I was in a managerial position which meant that 3 days of the Monday to Friday work I was unavailable for them to speak to so nobody was being efficient in the process and that that time management teaching just taught me that you can be a little bit selfish being selfish with your time actually benefits people more than you believe yeah, so yeah, that's a really I'm not idea. I'm not sure if the example worked because it worked better in my head than I said it out outwardly but ultimately time management when i'm coaching people that's the only time i allow you to be selfish because because it allows you to actually benefit yourself which allows you to benefit others
0: yeah no, no, and i think for being reflective and for sort of thinking how you can rejuvenate yourself so i think one of the things that we're trying to emphasize in this exercise and uh, it's one the point that my coach one of my coaches makes dan Sullivan, he's big into sort of time management and um days three days and buffer days and uh, um, uh, sort of work days um we, we, you read you need we all need rejuvenation yeah so we need to sort of track our activities track our stress optimize things and you need to recover and then yeah you, you need to be present and you need to be fully present when you know when we're doing different things so i think all of those things are really really uh, valuable um John, I know we could sort of go on and um, talk about more things, but I think I'm think i just going to pause there as a bit of a, like a teaser for the audience, and then we're going to come back and add a few little bits over over the course of uh, the, the next some weeks and, and so on. I'm very grateful to you for uh, the time that you're spending on this. So we're going to carry on about something else, but I'm just going to um, uh, stop this in a, in a, in a moment. Any, any sort of final thoughts?
1: No, thank you, Tahir. Um, you know, it, it's... Um, It's been great to talk to you, and I'd I'd like to do some more, it would be great.
0: Super, well I'm going to share it with you obviously, We'll, uh, we'll come back, super John, I'm going to just put this down, and then we're going to go back on the Zoom, yeah?
1: Okay.